Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Series over the course of the last couple of weeks, and we've got a couple more weeks, and we've been talking a little bit about wrestling. Um, I, I mentioned to you that uh, wrestling is a sport for those that are strong. It's not for the weak. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, you've got to be physically fit. You've got to be uh, emotionally, well, I don't know if you've got to be emotionally stable to wrestle. In fact, some of the craziest folks I've ever met were on my wrestling team. They were nuts. But you do have to be mentally strong because you have to, it's not just a physical warfare that goes on when you're in a wrestling match. It's a mental warfare. You've just got to be stronger than your, your opponent. And so I told you that uh, I wrestled and I proved it. I showed you some um, some glorious pictures, and they, they put them up there quick because I told them not to, not to stay on one too long because I, I, might, I might start weeping over the thinness of myself. And um, I think I weighed 75 pounds at that time. Uh, I think I was 21 years. No, I wasn't 21. I was about, <laughs> I was about 14. But anyway, um, that's, I was involved in that. Learned some powerful things. And we started talking about the concept of, re, of a reverse. Now, I think most of you have been here, but I don't want you to be behind. And so just a couple reminders in wrestling. If you take your opponent down and control them, it's two points for a takedown. If you turn them towards their back, depending on the angle, if you get them past 45 degrees, the referee begins to count, and you get what's called near fall or back points, two, three, or four points, depending on how long you hold them there. Uh, if you pin them, you win the match automatically. But once you've been taken down, there are two ways to score. One is you can escape. You can get up and get away from the opponent that took you down, and you get one point for escape, or you can do what we've been talking about, and that is to execute what's called a reverse, and you take control of the person that was controlling you, and you get in a dominant position, and at the moment you do that, you get two points. A reverse gains you more than an escape. And so what I told you a couple things early on, first week I told you to quit quitting. You cannot reverse if you quit. If you just lay on the mat and say, it's always going to be like this, I'm always going to be defeated, I'm always going to be overcome, you will never gain a reverse over the opponent of your soul because you cannot gain a reverse if you quit. Then I told you that you cannot settle for an escape. Some of you just need to escape. Some of you in the environment that you're in and the temptation that you're facing, the only option for you is to run for your life, and that's okay. But there are many of us that continue to escape from things that God intended for us to reverse. And so we keep finding ourselves in that same predicament over and over again, and we keep escaping and then finding ourselves. That's because God is trying to position you for a reverse. And so I encourage you to not run from what God want you to reverse. And then last week, um, I mentioned to you that, that there are things that you can do that set into motion a reverse. We cannot focus on our can'ts. We have to focus on the cans. What can you do right now that would position you for a reverse, a reverse later? Because reverses, as I told you last week, are all about timing. And the problem is, is that a lot of times we try to take matters into our own hands and we go, we do things to try to execute a reverse that go against God's laws and therefore we don't gain the reverse. And I use Moses as that example. You remember he took matters into his own hands, killed 
killed the Egyptian, could have thought he was going to be a deliverer at age 40, and instead it caused him to go into the wilderness and spend 40 more years because he took matters into his own hands and he did things against God's law. You can never execute a reverse if you violate God's law. And then I also told you that not only can you not uh, do things that go against God's law, you are not in God's timing if you have to cover up what you're doing now. Oh, y'all are real quiet this morning, but I, I, I told you last week that if you are ashamed of what you're doing right now, if you're having to put on a, f- a fake act at church and you're having to wear a mask and there's shame and you're trying to cover it up, then I can guarantee you that God is not in that thing and that you are not in the right timing and you're going against God and the reverse will never be executed. Y'all awake this morning. All right, so you're caught up. So this week... What I want us to do is I want us to go back into the God's Word into another occasion of a reverse, a supernatural reverse that took place that I think teaches us some valuable lessons. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 13, and we're going to read one verse of Scripture there, and then we're going to go into Judges chapter 16. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up and read it, either on your phone, on your iPad, on your, on your written word, or watch it on the screen, all right? Here we go. Judges chapter 13, verse 24 says this. The woman gave birth to a son, and they named him Samson. And the boy grew, and God blessed him. Judges chapter 16. Verses 4 through 5. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, or grapes. Her name was Delilah. The Philistine tyrants approached her and said, seduce him. Discover what's behind his great strength and how we can tie him up and humble him. Each man's company will give you a hundred shekels of silver. Right? Then it goes on. It says, she kept at it day after day, nagging and tormenting him. And I could stop right there and preach a message, but I'm smarter than that. And uh, so uh, just understand I'm a man of wisdom. I know better. There is a message in there. And it says, finally, he was fed up, and he couldn't take it another, another minute of it. Ever been there? Don't say amen. He spilled it, and he told her, a razor has never touched my head. I've been God's Nazarite from, from conception. If I were shaved, my strength would leave me. I would be as helpless as any other mortal. Then verse 21. The Philistines grabbed him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, and they shackled him in irons and put him to work to the work of grinding in the prison. But his hair, though cut off, began to grow again. The Philistine tyrants got together to offer a great sacrifice to their god Dagon, and they celebrated, saying, Our God has given us Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they joined in, cheering their god. Our God has given our enemy to us, the one who ravaged our country, piling high the corpses amongst us. Then this, everyone was feeling high. And someone said, Get Samson. Let him show us his stuff. I just want to remind you this morning that the enemy wants to make a spectacle of you. Don't ever think that the enemy's just playing with you. He is trying to make a spectacle of you. He wants to destroy you. He is not playing games. He's not just passing time. He is out to destroy you and make you look like a fool. That's what he wants to do. And so they did that to Samson. They got Samson from the prison, and he put on a show for them. They had him standing between the pillars, and Samson said to the young man who was acting as his guide, put me where I can touch the pillars that hold up the temple so that I can rest against 
them. And the building was packed with men and women, including all the Philistine tyrants, and, and there were at least 3,000 in the stands watching Samson's performance. And Samson cried out to God, Master, God, oh, please look on me again. Oh, please give me strength yet once more, God. With one avenging blow, let me be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached out to the two central pillars that held up the building and pushed against them, one with his right arm and the other with his left, saying, Let me die with the Philistines. And Samson, Samson pushed hard with all of his might, and the building crashed on the tyrants and all the people in it, and he killed more people in his death than he had killed in his life. A reverse. Talk about a turn of events. When you start to talk about Samson, there are a lot of ways you could describe him, but this morning I think probably the most fitting way to describe Samson is this. He was a plague. He was a plague on the Philistines. He, he was a terrorist to the Philistines at every turn. The Bible teaches us that at every opportunity he destroyed the Philistines. We, we can go back and we read and the Bible tells us that he set their fields on fire. The Bible tells us that he wiped out an entire battalion of Philistine soldiers with nothing more as a weapon than the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, in another situation he went into a Philistine city and, and get this in your mind, he literally grabbed hold of their gates and tore them off of the hinges. Now this is not like the little gate on your house uh, out by in your backyard. These are huge gates, massive gates. And the Bible says he ripped them from their settings, their hinges, and hoisted them onto his shoulder and walked out and destroyed those gates, leaving that city vulnerable to Israelite attack. He terrorized them. He was their greatest threat. He was the great equalizer for the Israelites against the Philistines. He was untouchable. He was a national hero. And, but now he finds himself in a situation where he's no, become nothing more than a circus act, if you will. Ridiculed, harassed, made fun of, the laughing stock. He goes from being a superman to a spectacle. He goes from a punisher to nothing more than a plow boy. He goes from being a judge to now being nothing more than a joke. And he finds himself in that predicament, that environment. Now, Samson, Samson's life teaches us three very valuable lessons about God's ability to reverse things. Get, your, get in your mind where Samson is now. He is not the victor. He is not the overcomer. He is not the champion that he has been. Now he finds himself being paraded across the stage to put on circus shows for the Philistines so they can prod him and make fun of him and spit on him and ridicule him. There are three things we need to know from this situation. The first thing that I would say to you this morning, and this is an incredibly important lesson, is this. A reverse is often needed because we fail to guard our strength. That was good. Let me elaborate. Y'all ain't going to amen me. I'll amen myself. Yeah, work with me this morning a little bit. See, we need a reverse because we fail to guard our our strength. Samson would have never been in the place where he would have ever needed a reverse if he had simply guarded his strength. 
See, he kept trying to see how close to the edge he could get without falling off. He wanted to see how close can I get to the lust of my heart and still keep my strength. And I just wonder how many of us need a reverse right now because we've failed to guard the strength of our lives. Uh, we observe what Samson did and we see that Delilah proved time and time again. It's not like it was the first time. She had deceived him. It's not like it was the first time she had asked him, how do you gain your strength? And he told her one thing, and she would call in the warriors to find him bound, and then he would break free. It wasn't the first time. She was a proven commodity. She had proved who burned me once, shame on you, burn me twice, shame on me. I mean, he had been proven from Delilah's character that over and over and over again she would deceive him and so we think man Samson was stupid and yeah he was and then but and I agree we, we want to say Samson all right think that I'm good with that it's the next statement that we make that I'm not good with because then what we say after we say Samson was stupid is we say I would never do that and I wonder how many of us continue to make the enemy's job in our life so much easier because we continue to fall prey to his old tricks. See, y'all ain't talking now. See, we make fun of Samson and think, I would never do that because Delilah proved her unfaithfulness and her untrust, that she wasn't trustworthy over and over again. And yet we continue to fall prey to the same old tricks, the same old temptations, the same old snares that the enemy uses time and time again. He'll use the same person. He'll use the same temptation. He'll use the same situation. He'll use the same environment to trip us up over and over and over again and we walk right back and fall prey over and over again. And what we do is we try to see how close to the edge we can get. I got news for you. The edge is closer than you think it is. See, I, I was flipping channels a few weeks ago, and uh, they got this show on about doctors. It's a talk show hosted by doctors, I guess. I don't know. And um, goofy, but anyway. Uh, they, they were, they were, the, the topic of the day was uh, unreasonable fears and how you overcome unreasonable fears. I wouldn't have stopped on the channel except they were dealing with the fact that one of the doctors, uh, Dr. Oz, is that right? He had a uh, stupid name. Anyway, uh, Dr. Stupid Name. Anyway, um, he, he said, I'm scared of heights. And so they took him to the top of the Empire State Building and the, this counselor was standing there to help him overcome the fear of heights and told him the, the, the way that you overcome heights is you work your way to the edge until over and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it again until you recognize that when you get on the edge, there is no, no real danger. Think about that just a moment. Because that's how most of us live our Christian lives. We keep going back to the edge to see how close we can get, and then we back off. Because it scares us. And then we approach the edge again. And it's not quite as scary as it was the first time. And so we back off. And then finally we come to the edge the third time or the fourth time or the eighth time or the ninth time. And suddenly all out of, out of nowhere is how we say it. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, right. I just couldn't figure it out. I just kind of stumbled into my sin. I just come, stumbled into my backslidden condition. I just kind of stumbled into my addiction. No, you kept getting as close to the edge as you could. And finally you became comfortable with the edge and you failed to guard your strength, and you fell off. A 
let, let me get really basic and really practical with you. See, I, I want us to understand this morning that God can and will work a reverse for us. He's promised us that. But I also want us to understand that we have a responsibility to guard our strength. God should not have to continue to bail us out because we continue to go to the edge and fail to guard our strength. Let me get practical. See, I see folks stumbling all the time. They're struggling in their Christian walk. And when you approach them and ask them for details... And you ask them this question. Have you been reading your word? No. Have you been praying? Any quiet time at all? No. Then you have failed to guard the area of your strength. It happens in our finances. I, I see many of you even at times where you have finally gotten on board with the concept that as you give, God has promised that he will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together. That's not just about finances. That's about your time. That's about your worship. That's about your finances. That's about every aspect of your life. And you begin to give to God in your finances. You begin to give to God in your relationship. You begin to give to God in your time. And all of a sudden, when he begins to bless you, then you'll back off and say, I don't have time for that anymore. I can't keep tithing anymore. I can't afford to tithe anymore and all of a sudden now you begin to stumble and I want to look at you and say you failed to guard the area of your strength or how about this God sets you free from an addiction or a pet sin or a temptation that you've been fighting all of your life and you finally find freedom because you've been attending church faithfully and you've been hanging around with good Christian folks that are pulling you up instead of pulling you down and all of a sudden, three months later, I'm too busy to go to church and it won't hurt me to skip 19 weeks in a row and it won't hurt me to go hang out with my old friends for a few days and all of a sudden, we find you back in the condition you originally were because you failed to guard the area of your strength. Y'all ever seen it happen in relationships? Oh, come on. Come on, let's be real. We, we see that cute thing across the room. And for the next six months, man, we pursue and we buy flowers and we buy chocolate and we buy cards and we fall in love and we get married and they never see a flower. The only flower they ever see is the one in the neighbor's garden. The only chocolate they ever see is the one that we left smeared on our face when we went to get. Come on, yeah. We fail to guard the area of our strength. And then when things fall apart, we cry out to God, we need a reverse. You wouldn't have needed a reverse if we would guard our strength. I want to say this to you this morning. I want you to understand this very clearly. This is one of the most significant truths I think I've ever learned in my life. I learned it by watching young people. I would take my young people when I was youth pastoring to retreats. They would leave their, I made them leave their, they didn't have iPods back then, their Walkmans. Y'all don't even know what that is anymore. I made them leave their Walkmans and all their music at home. I wouldn't let them take their car keys. We tried to steal every cell phone, the big ones. It was hard to hide them because they were about this big. And we'd get rid of all of that stuff. And they would go to a retreat somewhere, get away from everything, and all of a sudden they would have this significant encounter or experience with God. And then six days later, you would have think they had never talked to God in their life. 
And they'd go, I don't understand. I lost it. Here's the truth I learned. What sets you free is essential to keep you free. I see y'all didn't hear me. That's all right. Y'all don't have to believe me. I just know it's true. Whatever gets you free is essential to keep you free. And so if you are sitting here free today because you've been attending faithfully, encountering God, running with the right folks, then I would declare to you that the thing that will keep you free is to attend faithfully, get an encounter with God, and to hang out with the right folks. If your finances have been blessed because you've been giving, then I would declare to you that the way to stay blessed is to continue giving. I would say to you, if you've been in love, and you love the person you're sitting next to, and you fell in love, the way to keep that love is to do what you did before you fell in love and then you won't have to cry out to God please rescue me God will but you have got to learn to guard your strength the second thing that his lesson that his life teaches us about reverse uh, a reverse is this just because you shaved don't mean you won't be saved I worked on that for a while. The rapping spirit came over me. I hear a song. See, y'all, that's why I don't rap right there. <laughs> oh, my word. Ah. See, one of these days I'm going to come out with a rap album and blow y'all's mind. I got Mike working on it right now. Y'all think I'm joking. I text Mike raps all the time, and he's going to let me have the microphone. One of these days I'm going to blow y'all's mind. Just because you shaved don't mean you won't be saved. So I know that's goofy, so let me say it like this. There have been some things that have been cut out of your life that are about to grow back. That is a powerful concept for us to understand. It may seem like a reverse is never going to happen, but I came by to tell you this morning, God will come through. That's the lesson of Samson's life, that it's never too late. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you think your relationship is over, but I came to tell you it's never too late. Some of you think that the job is never going to work out, but I came somebody to tell you, just to tell you that it's going to work out. It's never too late. Some of you think your finances are never going to take that turn that you needed them to take. I just came to tell you that God will work it out. It's never too late. Just because something's been cut out of your life doesn't mean that that thing won't come back. See, the truth of Samson's life was that his situation was not desirable. The truth of Samson's life is that he made some very poor decisions. The truth of Samson's life is that he lost a lot of time and he could have been doing something else other than what he was doing. The truth of Samson's life is that he cried a lot of tears and he endured a lot of pain that he probably shouldn't have had to endure. The truth of Samson's life is that he made it a lot harder on himself than he should have. All of that is true. But there is another truth, and that is this, is that things grow back and that God is the God of the second chance. See, some of you made some terrible choices in life. Do I need to elaborate or in your own mind are you thinking about the choices you've made? Some of you have made some unbelievably bad choices. 
Some of you find yourselves in undesirable situations. Some of you feel like you're wasting your time and your life. You even feel like you've become the circus act for your enemy. And it may feel like that your life will never be normal again or enjoyable again. But what I came to tell somebody this morning is that you need to learn the lesson of Samson's life. And that is this. You are not forgotten. If you need more scriptural proof, then can I remind you of some of the promises we've been given like Joel chapter 2. 2 verses 13 and 14 which says this God is kind and merciful he takes a deep breath and he puts up with a lot this most patient God extravagant in his love is always ready to cancel catastrophe that's powerful then the writer says this who knows maybe he'll do it now Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all's said and done, there'll be blessings full and robust from your God. He goes on and he says it like this, that he will revive the years that the locusts have eaten. Just because it seems late in the game, God isn't worried. Just because it's late in the match, God isn't worried. He always comes through. The Bible declares this. He knows our end from the beginning. He knows how you're going to turn out. It may not seem like you're the overcomer right now. It may not seem like you're walking in triumph and blessing right now. But the Bible clearly declares that He knows our end from our beginning. Before you were ever formed. Before you were ever shaped. Before you were ever even conceived. He knew about you and he knew what the end product was going to be and all this stuff in between who knows maybe he'll switch or reverse right now and you'll come to the end and you'll discover that God comes through every time see I, I've learned some things I've, I've, I've learned that God has this way of winning in the last few moments why is he like I don't know maybe he just wants to make us nervous or maybe he just wants to make us Trust him. I've just discovered that God has this way of coming through in the last few moments. I just want to speak this to somebody. Hold on. Your dream is about to grow back. Hold on. Your power is about to be restored. Hold on. Your blessing is coming back. Hold on. You may be facing a death sentence right now, but God can still come through. Hold on. Hold on. See, I've learned something. I've learned that a match that's won in the last few moments still counts as a a win. It don't matter what you've been through the whole match. If you still come out on the end, uh, at the end on top, you still get the W. I hope some of you watched the national uh, wrestling tournament, college wrestling tournament. I, I can't even count the number of matches that were won in the last milliseconds of the match. It looked like it was over. The individual's down. They're not going to be able. It's, it's close. It's, it's neck and neck. And right at the last minute, the referee is reaching out to touch the wrestlers and stop them and right at the last moment they gain control they switch 
and get the reverse and the match is won. They still move forward in the tournament because it's a win. Some of you don't think you're ever going to get the win because you're struggling right now. But what I came to tell you is just hang on. Just keep fighting. Keep holding on. Keep battling. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't quit because if you can get to the end, God will reverse that thing and you still win. I, re- I don't know if y'all have done this, but I read the back. Some of you, that's your assignment this week. Just go read the back end of the book. Some of you are caught up in, in Leviticus. <laughs> and you're just trudging through. Oh, God, they're killing everything. Oh, God, help me. And now I'm in lamentations, and all I got is weeping and crying, and that's my life. Oh, God, go ahead and skip. I give you permission to skip forward to Revelation and recognize that we win. So hold on. The last thing I want to teach you out of Samson's life this morning about a reverse is this. Your disappointments can become his appointments. I don't know if you listened when I read this passage of Scripture where Samson finds himself on display, circus act, ridiculed, mocked, blind, shell of the man he used to be, and now he finds himself in that condition, and I don't know if you heard the cry of his heart. See, we just read it as black and white, but you got to listen. you got to hear the anguish in his voice. I don't know what you hear when he cries this. I hear a man that is full of disappointments. I hear a man that is thinking, what if? What if I hadn't have been stupid? What if I'd guarded my strength? What could I have accomplished if I would have just held on a little longer? What could I? Disappointment. Listen to what he says again. Listen to the tone. Look on me again. Oh, please, give strength yet yet once more. Oh, God, that is disappointment if there ever was. Disappointment had swallowed up his life. There was no more pride. There were no more victory parades. Disappointment had become his constant companion. Say some things about disappointment that I know that you know are true. Number one, I know disappointments are not fun. I'm not going to stand up here, and if you're, if you're living a disappointed life right now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you just, oh, it ought to be roses and cakewalks. No, disappointment is not fun. It is no fun to be beat up. It is no fun to, to be bound. It is no fun to be sick. It, it, no one wants to struggle. No one would choose to go through what many of you are going through right now. If we had our druthers, if we had had our own way, if we had our own wishes, we would not go through what we're going through right now. We are right in the midst and in the middle of being disappointed. But I came to remind you that right in the midst of disappointment, and even when you're overcome by a serious case of the blues, we still have to be willing to quote the same verse of Scripture that we quote when everything is going right. Have you ever discovered that we just pick out Scriptures and use them when everything's going right and then we abandon them when things aren't going the way we want them to? 
I am telling you this morning that if you are disappointed and your life is overcome by disappointment and you wish you could bail out, can you just go back and quote the verse of Scripture you were quoting when your bank account was full and your marriage was working correctly and your job was your dream job and you loved everybody around you and your car wasn't broken down and left in somebody's church parking lot? And, and can, 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 can you just go back and quote this verse of Scripture? The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by God. That means I trust Him and understand that He leads me in the blessed moments of my life when everything is working out fine and like I wanted it to and I'm on top of the world. But when I find myself in the valley of death, I still have to declare that He marks my steps and I'm walking according to His plan and He's ordering them. Therefore, my disappointments may just perhaps be His appointment. Maybe, just maybe, God has allowed you to be in the place that you are in right now so that he can orchestrate a reverse. Hmm. See, I, I think that too many of us think that when we enter this relationship with Jesus, I think we honestly think that we're never going to have any more problems. We're stupid like that. That's crazy thinking. We ought to know that at the moment we accept Christ in our heart, that there's going to be some disappointments. Not with Him, but the enemy is going to come against us. I think we think that knowing Jesus is a get-out-of-jail-free pass. Everybody else is going to get sick. Everybody else is going to struggle in their marriage. Everybody else is going to struggle in their finances. Everybody else's car is going to break down. Mine is going to run, and it's going to run like it's driving on streets of gold. I don't even have to change my oil. I should never have to go buy gas. Everybody else ought to have to buy gas. I just pray to God, multiply the gas, and it's just going to keep on going, and I never... Listen to me this morning. I want you to live life anointed. But if you live your life anointed and never find life appointed, then your anointed is lost. Did you catch that? I want you to live your life anointed. I want you to get in here and get so much of God that you glow when you walk out of here. But unless you are willing to follow God into the appointed place of your life, then you're wasting the glow and you're wasting the goosebumps and you're wasting the encounter with God and it will do you no good because the anointing that God places on your life is designated for the appointed area of your life. And here's the newsflash for most of us. Our disappointments are usually the places of our appointments. I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again and I'm going to stop. God is not as interested in your comfort as he is your character. And so normally, just according to Scripture, the trying of our faith. 
come on, you go read it. For, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to let you go read it. Go, go find out what produces character. None of it's fun. But God will place us in situations where there is pain because it means we're in the process and he will allow disappointments to come so that we can get into a place to be appointed and that he can work a reverse and that we can see his hand at work and he can mature us as believers. I want to say this and then I'm finished. Some of you are disappointed right now. And I know it. Life didn't turn out like you thought it was going to. The marriage that you thought would last forever did not. The child that you thought would always bring a smile to your face instead is breaking your heart. The job that you thought would always be your provider is gone and you're disappointed. And because of that, your head has gone down and you've dropped your hands. And I want to encourage somebody this morning. You need to get your head up. You've got to get your head up because a reverse, I know Scripture calls it redemption, but that's a reverse. A reverse is drawing nigh. It's getting close, but you will miss it if your head is down. There's also a truth here, too. You've got to get your hands up. The writer of Hebrews understood that our hands, the position of our hands is extremely important. He said, God, get the hands that are hanging down and get them up. I want you to get back in your mind before we close the picture of Samson, downcast, disappointed, distraught, ridiculed, spit on, laughed at, at the last moments of his life. And I want you to see what happens. He turns to the little boy that's guiding him and he says, you know what? Get me next to a pillar so I can rest against it. We think that we are overcomers and that we are victorious in our Christian walk when we can get our hands up like this. The truth is, is that many of us can't do that right now. Life has beat us down so hard and the circumstances have been so difficult and disappointment is so real in our life that our hands are down by our side. And for me to stand up here and tell you, just praise your way through, you're just going, you're crazy. So let me give you some relief this morning. I'm not even asking you to get your hands all the way up. I'm just asking you to get your hands about right here. If you could just ever get your hands here. Come here, Brandon. You're going to be my other pillar.
this point that you will give me. I'm not going to settle for letting my hands hang down. I'm going to come to the place where I'm tired of being pushed around, and I'm tired of being defeated, and I'm tired of being overcome, and I don't have much strength left. But if I could just start that, then victory would come. And so I want to tell you this morning, if you've allowed your hands to go down, I'm not telling you to get down here in front and go buck wild and throw hands up and sweat and pant and whatever you do. No, we don't. I I just want you in your own little world to push until change comes. Because I came to tell somebody this morning that the disappointments that you are enduring right now, if you would just push a little bit, you would discover that that disappointment was his appointment. And victory is on the way. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, there are folks under the sound of my voice that are so disappointed. Life has not worked out like they thought it was going to work out. And it's been a lot harder than they thought it was going to be. Their finances have dried up when they thought they were going to have an abundance. Their health is failing them when they thought that they would always be healthy. Friends, they thought they would have all of their lives have walked away and they're disappointed. Their marriage is floundering and they thought it was going to be romance and chill bumps. And now they're extremely disappointed. And God, I could stand up here and ask you to help them praise their way through, but some of us, we don't have any praise left in us. All we have is a cry from a heart saying, Oh, God, remember me one more time. Father, I pray that you would walk through each aisle and each row of this building. And I pray that you would expose our hearts. And I pray that you would find those whose hands are down and heads are down. And I pray that you would encourage them enough to get their hands to their sides and push back one more time. God, I pray they would believe for healing one more day. I pray that they would believe for finances one more day. I pray that they believe for their marriage one more day. I pray that they believe for their friends one more day. I pray that they believe for their kids one more day. I pray they believe for the right job one more day. I pray that they would believe for their victory one more day. I pray that they'd believe for a miracle one more day. I pray they'd push back one more time. God, let the reverse come right in the middle of our disappointment. Pray they'd push back one more time. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, you have nailed it in my life this morning. I am extremely disappointed. And I just don't have much strength left. We're going to do this different this morning. Uh, uh, normally, I would have you raise a hand and we would come and surround you and pray. But that's not how I want to do it this morning. If if that's you, I just want you to step out into the center aisle. Don't come down front. Just step out into the center aisle. 
Just get you a little spot out in the center aisle. If you're disappointed, if you're if you're brokenhearted, if you're downcast, we're not going to wait long. If that's you this morning and you say, Steve, I'm just not sure I can hang on, but I gotta have I gotta have a breakthrough. That that's me. If that's you, I just want you to step out quickly. I'm not going to wait long. I'm going to dismiss you, and you're going to miss this opportunity. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Yes, there's one. Anybody else brave enough to step out? Yep, come on. Just step right out in the aisle. Just a moment longer. My life isn't turning out like I thought it would. This is how I want us to do this. Miss Teresa, Miss Susan, would you help me and would you get on each side? Right here, right there, yeah. Brandon, Dennis, come here. Would you get on each side here? Stand right on side of on each side of them. We're gonna pray. We're gonna believe for a breakthrough. But here in a moment, I'm gonna give you instructions to put your hands out to your side. And when I do, I want you to push. And those of you that I just called out to help, I want you to resist just a little bit because they're going to fight some resistance, but I want you to just allow them to push you out as a natural expression of what is taking place in their life right now. Come on, would you stretch your hands to these that have been brave enough to step out? Father, we come against the disillusionment that they're facing right now. God, they were honest enough to say that they're broken in their hearts, that life isn't what they thought it was going to be. This is tougher than they thought it was going to be. That the circumstances just hasn't turned out like they thought. They're battling, they're battling, they're battling, they're battling, and they don't even know if they've got enough strength to press all the way through. But this morning, Father, I pray that they would recognize that they are right in the middle of an appointment from you that you are testing them, that you are trying to discover in them if they have the character necessary to fight through. But Father, this morning their hands are down. This morning their heads are down. This morning they're worn out, they're tired, they're, they're exhausted from the struggle, and they need supernatural strength. And so Father, this morning I pray that you would enable them, even now, even now, infuse them with supernatural power just a little bit. Oh God, remember us in the time of our need. Oh God, one more time, would you remember us one more time, oh God. God, one more time we hold on to you. Come on, get your hands out. Get your hands out and press. Just begin to push just a little bit. Father, we push with all the strength that we have. We push even though it's just a little bit. We push right now and we see victory overtake defeat right now. We expect victory, a turnaround, a reverse to be set into motion right now what we do on the natural in the natural will take place in the supernatural and from this moment forward oh, we'll see things differently and we'll understand that something broke in us and broke in our situation and we found victory in Jesus name and we will walk out of here with more victory after the disappointment than we ever experienced before 
See, I didn't teach all that, but it's truth. God, I just believe that right now that we will experience more victory after the disappointment than we ever imagined before the disappointment. I pray that that would be true in these individuals' lives right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 